So we're back after a couple week layoff for the Fun these, Guys podcast. These little, these little hiatuses tend to happen. Yeah. You just lose track of time. You know, you start doing something else. Your mind gets obligated. You forget that you're running a professional sports league. Then you have to come back and submit a statement and say that we're not playing our only outdoor game of the year. The only game that everyone watches on January 1st, yep, right? Yep, yep, uh, yep. On the line, Robbie Football. How we doing, Robbie? How how am I doing? Yeah, I figure it's hey, better. Fun. It's always better when you call somebody like their first name and then football, like Johnny Football, Robbie oh, Football. Yeah. Oh my as, goodness! Like as in that the case was... of of CFL's great Drew Tate, it's Andy Football. <laughs> that was a blast to watch. You know what's happening right now is I'm in my sports fan just heaven at this point. The beginning of the NBA season is here. Yep. Um, hockey might not be a thing, which Oh. continues to add to you know how I just at any more of my sports consumption is all about what's funny. Yeah. Uh hockey not being a thing becoming it's entering into the zone of just kinda gigglesome to me. I think it's and, been there for it's been there for a long time. <laughs> and early season NBA's there. We're gonna we're gonna jump out of the gates with one of the funniest things I about this time of year. Thursday night football. Thursday night, the TNF on NFL Network. Uh, you know what's funny is that the game sucks so bad, but the actual production is one of my favorite NFL productions. Outside of they, C, outside of CeeLo and his entrance song or whatever that is that you call it. I don't know, have you seen that? Um, no, I haven't. It's it's oh like yeah, a, no, you know what I have. Yeah, but that's the beginning of the broadcast. Yeah. Oh, it's awful. But outside of that. I like Rich Eisen. I like, you know, it's basically those pregame shows that turned into just a bunch of former athletes yelling at each other. But Exactly. And at the end of the game, they have the, the, the game's MVP and they have a blast. That's a real great interview they do. It's, you just got to make it to the end of the game as a viewer. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a climb, buddy. Yeah. That is. It, it is. It's, so, it's, but it's like all things considered, graphical and all this stuff, the, the broadcast is pretty good, but I cannot watch it. Because those yeah, games are so painful. I, I love bad football, and that's even a stretch for me. There's this Thursday night stuff. What's oh. been going on? And last night, I about had it. I was looking at the TV, and I was like, North Carolina and Virginia are playing on ESPN and some ungodly college football special where ESPN sending probably their second or third best announcing team probably the second or third worst game of the week on a Thursday night. <laughs> and then you have the Dolphins and Bills in a special teams fest oh. on the NFL Network, which is becoming, by the way, because of these stupid Thursday night games, has become a must-have for cable carriers. Yeah. And really, you know, American television viewers, you have to have the NFL Network now because of these Thursday night games. And you're – every team has this, right, a Thursday night matchup? I think every team does once, and I, I can't remember where I was reading it, but it came up that it's just a terrible idea for the league. You know, a league that's supposed to be all about safety and to have yeah. a lot of these guys playing like five days apart. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not a great thing. I mean, I'm a, I'm a total hypocrite because I watch. I mean, I try oh, yeah. to watch. I, I couldn't watch last night. I was – I was invested in in Boston, Brooklyn. Yeah, a little NBA. Yeah, a little NBA. You've got me hooked on the first five to six minutes of an NBA game and, like, the last quarter of an NBA game. Solid gold. Solid gold at the beginning. And this time of year, early in the season, everyone has to shoot their 17-footer to get acclimated in the game. doesn't matter if you're a, you know, backup center doesn't matter if you're the superstar. You're going to take one and a half steps inside the three-point line. You're going to hoist one. <laughs> and you know what? The defender knows that the defender wants to get his offensive 17-footer in, so he's going to leave you alone so that you leave him alone to shoot his on the opposite end. It's like the unwritten rules. It's like the code in baseball. And also part of the code is the coaches don't say a word. Yep. They won't yell at you. I mean, you got the green light in the first six minutes of an NBA game. Yeah. It's beautiful. I was, I think, and you've probably already done this, but I want to go through and list the guys that start and just get, like, three shots a game 
and one of them is always in the first four minutes. Just a list of ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Like last night, I texted you that I was watching Miami Denver, and uh, uh-huh. and it was a late game on TNT because I wanted to stay up for, for Charles Barkley afterwards. Because who doesn't? And that he, that that shows oh, yeah. that shows That's across awesome. the yeah, it's incredible. And uh, Miami was up by twenty, and Denver came all the way back, and then Delino Gallinari uh, hit. <laughs> he got the ball in transition. Nuggets were down one, wearing their fantastic yellow jerseys. Have you seen those? Yes, I, oh, I, I posted I on your Facebook wall. Um, and he hoisted a twenty-two foot three with 24 seconds, like 21 seconds on the shot clock for the lead, totally whiffed. Didn't even touch the net. <laughs> a nice air ball. Huh? Oh, it's stuff like that that makes me love this league. And I don't know how I didn't before. <laughs> I guess I didn't appreciate it's an, in, uh, like it's un, unintentional humor like you do. But now uh, I, I totally get it now. And Denver, honestly, with JaVale McGee right now and Kenneth Fareed, they and Gallinari, they have just – an unlimited potential to to make you laugh. I think uh, JaVale McGee, I mean, he's famous for the running the wrong way thing, but he did something. Fareed he did a really good the, one last night. Really? Yeah. He, uh, Fareed missed a dunk that was on the not top ten this morning. Yeah. McGee's, I think McGee's was worse. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the Heat scored, and then McGee wanted to inbound the ball fast and forgot that you have to step out of bounds to do it. And so he grabbed he grabbed the ball from below the hoop, and as he was jumping out of bounds, threw it to the to Ty Lawson, and the referee oh. and the referee blew the whistle and called it back and gave the ball to Miami, <laughs> because he completely forgot or didn't even know that you have to step out of bounds first. Maybe he just thought you have to be like on the way to stepping out of bounds. And you know, it's the little things with some of these guys. But, you know, for me, what that comes back to is this, like, this is the perfect storm of, you're always going to have bad sports on this time of year. Yeah. And I, I made, I guess you could call it a mistake. Like, I stayed in last Friday night, and I thought, oh, you know, I'll just hang out, recharge my batteries. And then I realized, well, uh, as you know, a weekend sports consumer, I, like, on the weekends, that's what I do. If I'm not, if I'm not going out, with friends or something. I'm probably just watching sports. Mm-hmm. You can get away with that on, on college football Saturdays and Sundays with the NFL. But Friday night, I sat down and it's the opening of college basketball. And, you know, you and I, we're, we're kind of attuned to the uh, media industry. You work in it. I yeah. kind of straight away, but I have the degree. So <laughs> yeah, you got the I'm, piece of paper I'm that goes following, on the <laughs> I'm following the... Uh, NBC Sports Network um, kind of rise, and they're they're kind of like the de facto challenger to ESPN mm-hmm. in the future. Mm-hmm. And I thought I saw that they got the Carrier Classic this year, the basketball game played oh, on right. a ship. Yeah, what could go wrong? <laughs> what could go outdoor basketball game on a ship? Um, and it was ESPN did it last year, smash hit. They had a live concert afterward. I forget what the band was. Uh, President Obama was there. He said he did a little speech before the game to do it to honor veterans. I mean, ESPN did it perfectly. Everything went well. Something, oh, man. NBC Sports Network now is going to, I mean, they're going to kill it. This is this is a big thing for them. It's the biggest thing I've seen them have on since hockey's dead and, you know, uh-huh. Premier League coverage hasn't he- heated up for them yet. And... <laughs> <laughs> a little condensation got on the court, and the game never happened. Yeah. In fact, I watched literally 90 minutes of a just a bumbling, up-and-coming sports network covering Marquette's players and coaches wiping the hardwood. Oh, no. 90 straight minutes. Oh. And I loved it, but it was a disaster for them, Grant. I think it set them back a few months in their pursuit of a well-established network in ESPN. Uh, well, you know, like ESPN does things so well sometimes you forget there's a bit of luck that goes into it. Yeah. Like, somehow that would never happen with ESPN. Mm-hmm. Like somehow they they predict the weather or they can they can 
make it happen so that that doesn't happen when the game is on their air. Something, I don't know what it is, but that never happens on ESPN. But you know what the other thing was about this is I, it was tough for NBC because you could tell that they didn't have a contingency plan. ESPN is kind of, the way they're established, like last year, if that would have happened with North Carolina and Michigan State, they probably could have logged on to ESPN3 and just shot you out to any kind of college sporting event and, yeah. you know, yeah. and gotten away with it. The studio guys could have BSed about, you know, UAB versus, I don't know, Kansas yeah. or some other you know, the, the epitome of the epitome of that, the fact that ESPN has everything, is I didn't even realize this. I'm out in Iowa, and uh, and our state football playoffs are going on right now, and the championship games are this weekend, and somehow ESPN3 has the live feed of the Iowa State football championships. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea. But, that yeah, ESPN3 has all six classes of Iowa prep football championship games. So I mean, they even—they're even digging into that market. Yeah. I mean, and Iowa's not even—it's definitely not even the biggest high school. No, it's not even state. like a top seven or eight football state. Wow. And I mean, I think you said it best, though, man. If if one of these networks is going to even challenge ESPN, they're going to just have to get lucky at a, a few points down mm-hmm. the road. Mm-hmm. And I don't—it's kind of interesting. I don't know how much unluck, like. How much bad luck you can really afford in pursuit of that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's much at all. I think, uh, like, we talked about this a little bit with NBC Sports Network. They got the EPL, which was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, but hockey needs to come back, rest in peace, because I, I don't think, I don't think having soccer is enough. Well, it, it clearly is not enough. But you need a, you need a major sport, and I guess that brings us to what we want to talk about next. It, is hockey, rest in peace, even a major sport anymore? Uh, I, I'm beginning to believe that hockey is just not even a thing. It, I'm thinking it's plunging into irrelevance. And you know what? I Forgive my ignorance, but I'm going to just ask you straight up, wasn't hockey in kind of a good place before all this? Yeah. Uh, I understand that, like, you know, Crosby's, elongated concussion that recurred several times and, you know, kind of him and Ovechkin never really battling it out on the biggest stage as often as you wanted didn't really help. But, I mean, was a hockey not in a bad place? They were kind of looking like they would recover from it, um, lockout number one. Yeah, it was back to where it was before the lockout. And I think in a seven-year time, that was a good... That was a good recovery. It was like, you know, it's like the economy of the country. You know, it's like, I think seven years was a good time for, for was a good amount of time for it to come back. Um, uh-huh. They made a, it's, it existed despite its horrible management. You know what I mean? Like, there's such a diehard hockey fan base that you'll always have that. But it was, it was mismanaged so badly like ESPN wanted hockey back. It made a bid for it. And the I mean, NHL rest in peace. Yeah. Gary Bettman said no, we're going to go with NBC. Which is great for NBC, but it's terrible for the NHL. Rest in peace. Exactly. Wow. That's it's a horrible. Very good... Oh, I mean, if, I didn't even realize that actually. Yeah, it exists entirely in spite of its of its horrible management. You know, it's in a great well, place now. Nobody I can't figure out why they can't do this, but they never were able to market their stars well enough. And I think partly, you know, part of that is because and it, the hockey players aren't interesting people mostly. They're pretty bland. They're you know they don't crave but, attention like NBA players do. But you know what? I mean, LeBron James isn't. He hasn't at least since he's been in Miami. He hasn't been very marketable. Uh, you know, Carmelo Anthony's not that. Mar- they're not that interesting. Right. In other words, right. Like you said, you know. So it's like, I but, guess, but somehow, NBA can but somehow, yeah. People. But somehow they make it, they make it marketable. They make it, you know, they have the best advertising campaign in all of sports every year. 
You know, right. they make somehow they've made a game that we can make fun of all the time, which is the NBA regular season. They've made it must-watch television. It's pretty unbelievable, but you know who's helped them with that? And I hate to bring this full circle, but it's going to be ESPN. Oh, absolutely. Because they, they spend 24 hours on the air talking about the NBA. And don't you think hockey really could have benefited from that? Oh, they absolutely. Well, look, if, if ESPN doesn't have the right, and this is just the way that it is, it's not correct. It's not the way, the way it should be. But if ESPN doesn't have the rights to your games, it's not going to talk about it on SportsCenter. You don't even exist, right. you know. And and I think that was that was the one major problem that – the one major mistake that, that hockey made was to not go with ESPN. Because if you're not on ESPN, I mean, it's not just being on television. You're, you're never on SportsCenter. You're never on the mobile app. You're never on the website. You don't get any coverage. Mm-hmm. You know, and ESPN has a monopoly on just about everything now. I'm not saying it'll be the same way in 20 years, but it was a huge mistake. And now it's a, I don't know. It's, it's not even, and right now, hockey is not even a major professional sport in America anymore. And and that's what I was doing a I was doing a podcast here with, with uh my colleague Mike and we were talking about the worst commissioners in sports and we were ranking them. And I said, I don't uh-huh. care what anybody else does. I don't care if Roger Goodell single handedly gives every player in the league a concussion. <laughs> the the NHL will always have the worst commissioner because somehow Gary Bettman who might not be the only person responsible for this, but he's like the president of the United States, right? No matter what you do, you're always responsible for how the country is when you're when you're the sitting president. And right, that's the right. same way it is for commissioners. It doesn't matter if Gary Bettman or if David Stern was the was the guy who single handedly made the NBA great. And he probably yeah. wasn't, but he's the sitting commissioner, so he gets the credit. That's just the way that it is. You're you're the head of it. You get the credit when you're doing well and you get the blame when it's going badly. And somehow Gary Bettman turned a major professional sport into nothing, into absolutely nothing. And that is infuriating. Not it's not a thing. It's, it, doesn't even, it doesn't move the needle in one way or the other. It's, it's, it doesn't even exist. It's not even a thing anymore. If hockey came back tomorrow, still not a thing. I don't think I'm back in. I, I'm as, I love hockey as much as anybody, but I don't think I'm watching I'm so fed up with it. I'm so fed I mean, up with it. We at a different time. We basically, don't, as an American sporting public, don't. Um, we don't like our commissioners. Basically, yeah. What What is going on right now in in baseball? Have you been attuned to this? The Marlins basically are trading away everyone on their team that costs money. Basically, <laughs> yeah. I think they're going to a, an indentured servitude model. Yeah. Um. <laughs> To the Blue Jays, and, you know, on face value, the trade just looks puzzling. And and now I think the commissioner's office is, like, looking into it, because that always goes over well. (laughs) Yeah. Because basketball, yeah, (laughs) there wasn't an out public outcry when Stern did that to Chris Paul in L.A. Right. Right. Do you Uh, know what's happening? Are Are they about to nix one of the most perplexing trades in all of sports in a long time. No, I don't think they're going to do it. I I don't. I, I think it's just, you know, teams do this all the time, but not on this grand of a scale. They salary dump all the time, you know. And I think yeah. if, if one team isn't taking advantage of the other team, if, if the team who's salary dumping says, we don't want the salary anymore, so we don't care if it's an unfair trade, we need to get rid of this money. Then I think that's fair. It just you know guys do that all the time on smaller scales, and I don't think just because it's a bigger deal and involves so more money that it should be vetoed. I don't think they're going to, but you know you know this, Robbie. They've 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 got to say they're looking into it so that everybody's like, okay, well at least they're doing something. So basically, let me just get this straight because I think I read today that Toronto is getting Melky Cabrera of hitting really far home runs, but then getting caught. With steroids fame, um, like immediately after there wasn't even that like five year grace period where he was allowed to hit home runs and an investigation started and he fell off the map <laughs> because he's appealing and he hit forty home runs and, and win the MVP and yeah it, it happened like instantly yeah but I they're they're getting him and they're getting basically the five best players on the Marlins the, what, how relevant is this like. Is this like, is this the MLB trying to make up for the lack of hockey? 
just deporting, you know, five of their uh, more talented players to Toronto, to Canada. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good point. I never even thought about that. But it doesn't even make the Blue Jays a relevant team. No. I like they're in the, the they're in the most difficult division in baseball. Like they're in- yeah, this AL East. And now that now that Baltimore's good, yeah. you have the perpetually spending Red Sox and Yankees, it's like and the Devil Rays are just scrappy and always unpredictable. You're right, they're it doesn't even make them good. Are we just trying to tap into a market that's Hockey list right now. I it, you know what I think that's true. I think there is not going to be hockey for a really long time, and I think somebody I think the GM for the Blue Jays had said, you know what, there's no hockey. We're going to see if people really care about baseball. Let's let's just have at it. Give it a go, huh? Yeah, my gosh. And you know, could you, wow, Toronto and Toronto could have had Steve Nash, which would have been a nice little PR move. For yeah. Them, but. Well, they've already got what – what I don't understand is I don't know how they're going to hold on that money up there because they already have Jose Bautista, who's just an unbelievable – his story is ridiculous. He was with the Pirates for three years and couldn't hit the broadside of China, you know, and then – now he's hitting at two China, so – Yeah, and now he's hitting 50 homers a year, and I don't think he's juicing. He's He was uh, always kind of that big. He's a little bigger now, but, you know. Yeah, he's just got – he just – yeah, and somebody said, you know what, Jose, we don't care if you, you know, single up the middle to bring home a run. We want you to swing as hard as you can all the time and hit the ball directly to left field, and we want you to hit home runs. And he was like, all right, I can do that. <laughs> you know, I, I he got hurt. He got hurt by swinging the bat too hard. Did you see that way back in, like, August? Yeah, I do remember that. He Didn't swung he too hard, and he, like, tweaked his wrist because the like he was swinging with such velocity that the bat turned too fast and and like and hurt his wrist and he hit the ball 450 feet foul and got hurt and couldn't play anymore <laughs> just clubbed it welcome to Toronto baseball i mean i want to i want to get to the the nash thing though because what i anytime you can you know boot out and by the way being in cleveland uh we're familiar <laughs> yeah. with <laughs> the Mike Brown regime. You're familiar with they, the work of the Honorable Mike Brown. Right, yeah. I, I don't think we ever paid any credence to his performance five games into a season. Ever. Especially with an injured, you know, injured 39-year-old player and a new center and a guy with just decaying knees, a superstar with decaying knees. And he, Is there any doubt in anyone's mind that Kobe Bryant just went upstairs to Mitch Kupchak's office and said, hey, I'm not playing until uh, Mike Brown's gone. And the phone was picked up immediately. Yeah. No, I believe I mean, it. That is so what happened. Yeah. I and, believe it. Uh, and then he comes out, what was it, like the night after Brown got thrown out. They have Bernie Bickerstaff coaching. Nash is on the bench, and Kobe leads him to a victory. Yeah, and afterwards they said, hey, you know, hey, Kobe, how's Bernie doing? And he goes, Oh, he's doing well. He's staying out of the way. <laughs> I, I, I've never seen quite anything like this. I don't. I, I, you, you, it makes you wonder what would it have been like if Jordan didn't actually just know when to hang it up, and he was in Chicago after Phil Jackson, yeah, and someone else came in. Maybe he would have been like that. Yeah. Uh yeah. You know, it's probably not fair to. To Jordan to compare Kobe to him because Kobe is not <laughs> Michael Jordan at all. Right. But I mean, he's—it's amazing the amount of control the players actually have in that league. Like the, the decision and free agency—we talk about it all the time. But now it's like, well, we're picking the coaches. Isn't it the one sport though where players aren't replaceable? Like in every other sport, I mean, football included with quarterbacks. There are enough talented backup quarterbacks sure. to come in and, like, be good enough to win games. Like, right now, you know, Ben Roethlisberger's hurt in Pittsburgh, and I'm using this as my hometown example, and Byron Leftwich is stepping in there, and that dude has a – he's going to overthrow everybody. But people are still talking about the Steelers as maybe being able to beat the Ravens because he's just yeah. not – you know, he's not going to be bad enough to lose a game. You know, there are enough right. – but basketball seems to be the one sport because it's an individual sport. For the most part, it's teams sometimes, but 
you know. In the NBA. But in the NBA, right. I mean, it's Carmelo is a, is a, you know, he's an isolation player. You know, it's a, right. it's a superstar league. It's one-on-one a lot of times. And it's the one league where players just are not replaceable. And so if Kobe comes into your office, if Kobe comes into your office and says, hey, I'm not playing until you get me a new coach. And Mitch Kupchak's like, well, we don't have a team without you. So sure. Yeah. All right. Fine. It's it's unbelievable. There's so much of a I've never seen in the sport. Also, Um, there's so much just of a like unwritten respect line. Like, honestly, Kobe, night in and night out, can't play at the level that he was capable of in maybe 2008 when he was pouring in five straight 50-point games. But people give him uh, – defenses give him the respect of someone that can play at that level. Right. Um, that's one of the things about the NBA is, like, there's some legitimately good NBA players that can really get after and really ball that just don't have that level of respect yet from people. Mm -hmm. So they, I mean, you know, people just don't, don't let them. I I feel like people let up on superstars a little bit. They're overcompensate for their superstardom in preparation in the NBA. It's like, oh man, we're playing Kobe tonight. Whereas quite frankly, you might have two or three defenders on your team that they just really gutted up and, and went after them could probably get inside his head. Yeah. You can't get inside I mean, the head if, of an if Rajah Bell was able to get inside of his head, what was that, five years ago? Yeah. Somebody else has to be able to, too. I mean, these guys, I I, I think they're just very breakable. It's it's interesting, though, because you, what you said is spot on. Like, when a few years ago when Kyrie Irving, you know, gets injured at Duke, they have an absolutely fantastic year. They're just bringing the next guy. And run a great system with team basketball, and they had a good year at the college level. But in the NBA, you see teams come along that have probably nine really solid professional players, and they play as a team, they have a good system, they're as well-coached as anyone, and they just can't beat a team with two guys that can just gun it. Yeah. They can just take over a game. Yeah. It's kind of extraordinary. It's a a fascinating league. I don't know how I was... I took so long to get into it. Yeah, I was... Oh, I tried so hard. I never even... I never even thought about it. And, you know, I... You know, I... You you helped me get there. I would have had no idea. That was (laughs) my prerogative. That was Britney Spears' my prerogative. I would have had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, But, yeah, I... I don't know what just happened in LA. I mean, now now you got D'Antoni. You that that really worked out in New York. Yeah. Well, and, I I made this point the other day. Okay, so look, Phoenix and New York famously shot the ball a lot. Didn't play a whole lot of defense. Never were able to get past first or second round of the playoffs. Right. Right. But I have a feeling the Lakers, with his system or with an a version of his system, are going to be almost unstoppable. And I'm gonna I have a reason why. And why I, I I think it's because you have all the pieces they don't have a whole lot of depth, but with their starting five with the four, you know, Hall of Fame guys they have, you've got uh-huh. you have two guys in that starting five that that D'Antoni didn't even have anywhere close to in New York or Phoenix, which was Kobe and Howard are inherently defense lovers. They're right. perennial all-defensive players. And what what I think he's going to be able to do is run the offense the way he wants to run it, maybe a little a little slower because the guys are older. But he's always going to, on the, on the defensive side, Nash is a terrible defender. You're always going to have Dwight wow. Howard and Powell Gasol to kind of bail you out. That's true. So you have a couple guys that, that, were go, that are going to play defense regardless of if his system requires defense or not. And does that make sense? Yeah. It sounds trivial, though. It sounds like a, kind of a passing aspect of the game, but they, they got to get back, all of them. Yeah. If you're going to run that way on offense, you got to run back on defense. Yeah. Uh, if, if the Lakers get people in the half court, they're going to be pretty okay defensively. 
you can I think they can if there's one position you can kinda hide, it's probably Nash. You can hide his defensive inadequacy on that team, I think. You got two towers guarding the hoop. You got Artest probably guarding the best player. And, are you and, are you on so, the bandwagon of not ever calling him Meta World Peace? Because I'm on that too. I can, I won't do it. I I think I forget what I was reading, and it, I don't know if it was just like a box score or something, but they just referred to him as Peace, <laughs> and I just <laughs> I just said, I didn't even like get it. I had to read over the sentence like four times, and I was like, Oh, Peace. <laughs> Meta World I guess that would be his last name. I, that, I guess. How that works? I guess. Uh, but he, I, he's kind of a hysterical thing for me. I mean, you got pretty much four all-stars or once were all-stars and him. <laughs> he's, yeah. I mean, how much fun do you think he's having? He's a goofball now. Yeah. Do, doesn't everybody in the world know somebody like Ron Artest, though? Maybe not to the insane, you know, lengths that he actually is like a psychopath. But doesn't everybody know somebody that's kind of like him? A little off the rocker. Yeah, just a little, just impulsive and and always seems to be really happy. But you're not sure if it's like kind of insane happy. I don't know if this just makes me weird, but I think we all have a little artist in us. I think so too. Um, Yeah, it's a matter of how much. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Unpredictable is what. That's what his redeeming quality is will always be to me. It's like the kind of unpredictable that's scary. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> that's like, what it is. Yeah. He's, he's easily the dude that when he's laughing, you're laughing along with him. Yeah. Because you're afraid not to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you're not looking at him the wrong way, but you're never looking at him the right way. So, you know. Yeah, it's it's a, it's got to be uncomfortable to just be around Ron Artest. I think uh, I think I'm gonna get league pass. Have I told you this? Ooh. Yeah, I'm a I'm a little bit because I every day I go online and I see these pictures of of NHL rest in peace fans who are <laughs> who are well, like wearing hockey jerseys to NBA games, and oh, wow. uh, or they're just at NBA games and they look kind of miserable and they they tag the picture with Gary Bettman. This is what you've made us do. And I, I feel like that's me. We're us hockey fans are in a really weird place right now. We're, it, we're in a really bizarre emotional state. It's really fragile, and we're not sure if we're ever going to go back to the NHL yeah. because it's kind of deserted us twice now in seven years. And so I yeah. emotionally, I'm going, I'm going the other way. I'm going full bore with the NBA. You're going all in. Yeah, I have to. I need. I need something. It's. Um, I mean, it's such a question, weird place. Yeah. At this this league pass, it's it will work, you could just watch any game ever all the time. Yeah. You know, I I think you're onto something as far because as far as after basically January first when football's basically just the NFL playoffs and the Super Bowl, don't we kind of need this? I think so. Because there are what, what there are a couple up? singular events between like, you know, the end of January and like, you know, April. That are right. that are okay. You know, March Madness is a singular event. It's a couple weeks. Uh, the, the Masters, the, Masters uh, the NFL draft, maybe. But for, for, for the most like part, the Australian Open, you know. Yeah, yeah, like, and and like the first week of baseball, and then after that, you don't care about it again until like September. Yeah. Um. Boy, it's you, you do you need you need something, and it's gonna be it's gonna have to be basketball. Yeah, even for even for the poor hockey fans. Um, so soccer, how's how's your fandom going? You're, you've adopted I gotta, it. I gotta tell you, I am, I am head over heels in love with it. With Liverpool, right? Well, just in in soccer in general, but yeah, I we I chose Tanner and I chose. Liverpool as our as our team. Right. Well, um and it's so really this, something. This um I watched Euro this summer. Yeah. And this this guy for Sweden. Oh. Uh Ibrahimovic. Oh. Okay. This guy was he was everything <laughs> for Sweden and Euro. Yeah. He was head I, I thought head and shoulders above everyone else in the tournament. 
I think he's playing about as well as your Ronaldo's and Messi's. Yeah. And he just blew up this week. Oh, my gosh. That, Four goals in a game against England for Sweden. That fourth goal, it, it, there was a, I think Tanner sent us a tweet right afterwards, and it was perfect. And it said, I'm not sure how everyone in the whole world isn't in love with this sport. And that's a perfect example of that because he's kind of, he's kind of, um, I don't know, he's like a hybrid between an American soccer player and a European soccer player because he's a giant uh, human being. He's a big dude. He's muscular yeah. and physical and, and he's strong. You know, he's like he's like what LeBron would be if he played soccer. You know, LeBron wouldn't be nearly right. as big as he is just because he doesn't, you know, soccer doesn't really call for that type of build. Yeah, yeah. But he would be somewhere around that kind of build. He'd be powerful. He'd be strong. He'd be able to, you know, do whatever he wants. And that's this. That's that's Ibrahimovic. That, that goal yesterday, oh, my gosh. Didn't it make you, like, stop breathing for a little bit? It's- I, I was in awe. I immediately posted it to any kind of forum. I think I texted it to myself. <laughs> I mean, I was just posting it everywhere. I was like, everyone needs to see this. Yeah. Um, I had been, I had been watching, uh, I think it was the Netherlands, Germany, and I caught the United States highlights. And at halftime in Netherlands, Germany, they showed basically the first half highlights of England, Sweden. And it was Ibrahimovic scored a goal, and then Ibrahimovic chested one down, and before the ball hit the ground, he pounded mm-hmm. it through, yeah. and that was from pretty deep. And then I think at one point he had a free kick from about the same length as the bicycle kick yeah. that he put on the ground into the corner of the goal. Yep. And then <laughs> it's just absurd. The ball, the goal is there, the ball's just floating out there, and he just... I. I don't where know if where does a, that idea come from? That's, I was going to say, is this a knee-jerk reaction, or was he, like, thinking about doing this? He just, why should go in from 30 yards out? I don't know. I think that's one of the things that I love most about soccer, is that it takes a, a, it takes a real level of imagination. That it's word creative. Is, that word is used a lot. It's imagination. And I think any game that uses that word and relies on that kind of creativity is a really cool game to watch. And yeah. uh, and I think as I is like me as a as a sports fan as I transition a little bit away from football where uh. t- a little bit more to the sports that I think involve a little more skill. You know, like soccer involves a lot more skill. Football is just running and catching and being strong. Well, the, yeah, so you know where the creativity is in football, it's in the it's in the tactics, it's in the, in the right. coaching, the yeah. playing. Yeah. But in soccer it's it's on the ball. It's the player yeah, that's it is. creative. And that's, that's why, why people so love, that's why people love Messi. Is because he does something and every time he touches a ball we're like, Wow, I've never seen that before. Right. You know And, and Ronaldinho used to be like that. Yeah, I mean those guys are un- they're they're incredible with what they with what they can do. And it's uh and it's a total when you know, when they get the ball it's it's a total ad lib. It's like you you don't know what's coming because they don't really know what's coming. It's so instinctual for them, but they ended up doing something you've never seen before. Like, I don't, that's the one thing I can't get through my head is how you think when the ball's in the air like that yesterday, how you think, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, 50 yards away from the net, but I, I think I can get it there. And I'm just going to flip uh, myself and bicycle kick it from here into the net. And then he just took his shirt off because. <laughs> because what else do you walking do? Because yeah. he just scored four goals. <laughs> In an international game against England, yeah, in the manner in which he scored them, yeah, it's a perfect reaction. But like, I, I guess my question then through all this is, you like we talked about the creativity, talked about Messi. What is more impressive to you, um, out of an athlete career-wise? What what leaves you more in awe? Is it through like Bo Jackson, Barry Sanders, Ronaldinho? Every time they you know, quote-unquote, touched the ball. They did something you've never seen before, but they never really peaked. They never really got the highest accolade, and it was short. Live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or would you rather have what I would say would be like a, like a I mean, I as far as creative, uh, you know, individually creative sports, like Federer and tennis. I mean, a, there's a creative genius at his game. Maybe not as flashy. There's been better at every aspect of the game, but he does it forever and gets uh-huh. all the accolades and accomplishments. 
which I I I'm I venture to say it's just it's more like exciting for me these guys that do it for just real short yeah than the guys that do it maybe not as you know flashy but they do it really well for a long time I don't know that's that's a really good point because I love both of those I mean you know you and I are both huge Federer fans I right I cannot get enough of that guy and I can't wait for tennis to come back um hey. Yeah, I don't know. That's a really good. That's a really good question because I wish I was more of a coherent sports fan for when Barry Sanders was playing. Because my dad tells me about him a lot, him and Bo Jackson. It's funny you mentioned because those are the two players my dad talks about the most as guys that you just like. You had to see to understand like why Adrian Peterson is good. Right. You know, because Peterson can kind of do all of that. Uh Um, I don't know, man. That's a good question. I, it's, I'm it's really Randy interested. Randy Moss is one of them too. Yeah, I'm really interested to see with Messi because he's only like 25 or 26. Uh, I think he's still got some time left. I think he's just starting to peak, and I wish people, I wish there was some way for people to uh, to like watch more of him. But it's the time changes in such a way that a lot of times when he's playing, it's nine o'clock in the morning and people are going to work. Um, yeah. Right, well, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know if I could pick well, the one. I love them is, both. The hard thing is you can't the, – these guys I'm talking about that are kind of short-lived, mm-hmm. they can't They can't reinvent themselves. They right. just have a, a natural instinct, a natural gift. You know, but the guys who last long – I mean, I was – I watched Kobe Bryant. That's what I was going to uh, say, yeah. I watched him, you know, from the start for him. But I, I, this off season, I watched the NBA Network a lot, and I was watching his old – finals games like in the net series and mm-hmm. the fixer series and here's a guy that just he he couldn't shoot very well he was just explosive off the dribble he played real aggressive defense created a lot of turnovers turned the ball over a lot and he completely i mean by 2008 he just had the best jump shot in the nba really yeah, he had a killer post game he created his own separation from guys and he was knocking down fadeaways from the elbow. Yeah, know, I think that's I think that's why I was until last year I was always on the bandwagon of Kobe was a better basketball player than LeBron was. Uh-huh. Because LeBron had the, you know, he's got the physical strength that nobody else has. He's 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 a power guard. I think is what Bill Simmons calls him. And I always thought that Kobe's game was more basketball to me. You know, he uh-huh. he could shoot it from anywhere, he could create a shot from anywhere. He had that kind of creativity that you just you know, LeBron doesn't have yet. Um, with it with a jumper like LeBron has it with the way that he crashes, you know, to the net. He's, it's unbelievable. It's a bull in a china shop. But yeah. But Kobe Kobe was always to me. He may still be a better basketball player. You know, LeBron uh-huh. LeBron was high flying and entertaining and was you know, he was so strong you couldn't stop him when you go to the basket. But Kobe could do the things that I was brought up to believe are are more basketball plays. You know, shooting the ball and playing, you know, playing good defense. Like not that LeBron doesn't, but you know, the Kobe could just do it from anywhere. He could do whatever he wanted, and that was yeah, that was an incredible thing. And that's that's Federer, that's you know, that's Messi. Those, those guys that I think, you know, they they don't necessarily peak, but they're so they're so good for so long that you can't find a climax in their career. Well, I think I think yeah, I think Peyton Manning's still doing it. Yeah. Uh, he's he's just like, he's just been gradually over the years substituting like more preparation and mental work for his like you know waning physical abilities that <laughs> yeah. just happen with aging. Yeah. And really, I I think that's exactly what Federer has had to do. I mean, when he was young, he just came out with a stinging forehand and. Mm you know, this kind of elusive one-handed backhand, and now he's actually, I mean, he's got to really pick his spots, turn in and turn in out. You're playing for two weeks, you know, every night, every other night. Yeah, he, he has to give up a set or two, you know, to a guy that back in the day he would have, you know, went all out and just tried to bury him in straight sets. Now he might have to, you know, like save, save some in the tank. Yeah. Or later in the week or, mm-hmm. you know, the next week of a tournament. So, yeah. I mean, these guys are creative, you know, tactically, too. I think, you know what, I think it's a good comparison between him and between him and Rafa because 
Rafa was he might because he's he's hurt now and he's all banged up. He might be more the Barry Sanders. He's yeah, he's one speed. There's yeah. no other way to play. And, and it's uh, incredible. And Federer is more like oh, it is. Yeah, Federer is more like Kobe, where he can. He's so talented one way, and then he realizes, okay, I need to save my legs, I need to save my career, I need to do it a little differently. And there's a real, there's a real beauty in somebody that is able, that can, not only they can just do that, but somebody that realizes they have to, and aren't right. and aren't stubborn, and and they actually are able to mentally, you know, transfer their powers or whatever, to another way of playing. And that's really cool. Yeah, on the you know, yeah. Federer wins Wimbledon this year by. Slicing backhand and doing stuff that people would just, you know, people was, just have frowned at that was unbelievable. a decade ago. Yeah. And we can talk about him a decade ago because he was around. <laughs> that was unbelievable. Um, so, all right, let's wrap her up. Fun guys and Dales of the week. Um, um, yeah, you start. All right, I'll start. We'll go with fun guys first. I, I was thinking about it. There was a couple of nominees, but I, I sent a text out to you this morning. Um about Alexi Lawless's mustache? Yeah. Wow. There is no this week there is no more fun fun guy than Alexi <laughs> than Alexi <laughs> Lawless's mustache. That thing is full and dominating and wonderful. <laughs> and he's he's turned into like I didn't like him when he started off and I feel like this is a lot of, you know, this is a lot of how studio analysts are for me. Um uh-huh. but somehow he's turned into like must have television when talking about soccer. I, I'm not sure he's great just him alone, but I think you uh, put him up with, you know, a couple of European guys who really know the sport, and, and Lawless is a really cool style. Plus, that mustache is unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Oh. I mean, that's full, and yeah, that's about, that's the facial style you want. <laughs> it is, yeah. Right there, that's what you dream of it when is. you think, I'm going to grow out a mustache. It is, it's incredible. Um... I you know I hate to harp back on this, but um, my fun guy at least can have to be Ibrahimovic. Oh, it has to be. This <laughs> is for the celebration. It would be uh, yeah, I'm I'm the boss in this situation. Yep. Um, shirt off, just walking around like he owns the place, like he runs the place because yeah. he did run. I think the they place. I think they carded him for it. I think they gave him a yellow. For taking a show really? off. Yeah, I think so. It's, it doesn't even matter. I love, there was one tweet I saw that was great. It was like, I'm glad we all just, you know, kind of figured out that once he scored that goal in stoppage time, like, we weren't going to play anymore. The game was over. I don't think they, I don't think anybody touched the ball after that. I think it was just, the referee was like, all right, we're done. Here's your yellow card. Go, go be somewhere else. This is, like, you've, you have won football. You've won soccer. Yeah. The game is over. Just <laughs> go away. Um, and what's your Dale? My Dale, I had a couple nominees. Um, Gary Bettman is always one, but he isn't yeah. He isn't mine this week. Rick Riley is my Dale of the week. Oh, I love this pick. He, he is, because <laughs> if you didn't see it for those listening and who have been with us here for 40-some minutes, he uh, Ben Roethlisberger got hurt on Monday Night Football. Uh, actually turned into be a, like a gross injury. Uh, yeah. Apparently his rib is dislocated, and if it goes the wrong way, it can puncture his heart or something. It's just really nasty. And um, and they went back from Sports Center to the Monday Night Football set where Riley was now on the set, and apparently nobody warned them that they were going to be back on camera yet. So their microphones were live, and and uh, and Riley was pleading with not pleading with, but asking Stuart Scott to make sure that Stu gave Riley credit for having Roethlisberger's injury first on Twitter. Uh, and just the way that it came out was was horrible because everybody saw it on the field, so it's not like he was breaking the news that he was injured. Everybody saw that he was injured. And yeah. It, it's a, like Riley was a fantastic sports writer. On the back page of SI, he did it better than anybody. But you can tell it's a guy who's never had to compete like like the field is now competitive. So he just doesn't yeah. get it. He just doesn't understand these things, and it, for that, for me, it's sad. But the the best part of it was after the microphones picked up him asking Stuart Scott to like make sure he told him that he was first on Twitter. Uh, Steve Young gave him a look that, <laughs> that was Steve so Young perfect. Steve Young had the savvy. He had the media savvy to know how <laughs> worthless that was. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Steve Young did. Yeah. 
and he like gave him a little elbow bump. Like that's what you're really worried about. Like like a guy's hurt, he's in the hospital, and that's what you're worried about. I'm like okay, right. So yeah, Riley Riley, Riley was my my clear day of the week. Yours? Um, it's it's not of the week, but it's since the last time we talked, Lane Kiffin <laughs> and <laughs> deflating football <laughs> of all the scandals. I thought Rich Rod's practicing like. Ten minutes too much was pretty worthless. This is just... <laughs> I got to put a fun guy honorable mention into the... Um, to just the Chiefs in general, because they got together. Someone held a players-only meeting. Uh, maybe even Romeo was in on this. Uh, and said, we're going to celebrate everything that goes well for us. <laughs> everything that goes in our favor against the Steelers. I think they celebrated about three touchdowns that got called back. Yeah, on they, they celebrated the fumble recovery for a touchdown. They and celebrated the play that Roethlisberger got hurt, too. Yeah. That wasn't, it wasn't anything egregious. Like. No, but they, they group celebrated the fumble recovery for a touchdown, got flagged for it, and then when and then when it wasn't a fumble, they still got the penalty tacked on to it. <laughs> it's a total bail move, but, like, I liked it because uh, I, I thought these, you're what are you? One and six, just live it up, man. You're in the NFL. You're going to be on a terrible team. You know when, when something's going good, let it go good. Yeah, you know what? You I know, think there's there's something that's better about being just awful than being like three and five. Because at yeah. three and five, you're like hockey. You're just nothing. You don't even exist. But right. at like one and eight, there's a beauty to your horrible worthlessness. And no, and so you're so far past people actually caring that you—they're probably having as much fun as a team that's out there winning every week, if yep. not more, because they don't have anything to worry. About. You know, they got no monkey on their back, nothing you know weighing them down. Yep, yep. They're just going out and playing. But yep. cheers to the Chiefs. Gotta love all it. About it. All right, that's it for us, Robbie. Football. Thanks. That's all. Chief. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. This is the Fun Guy Podcast, episode four. We'll try not to make it like a three-week hiatus this time. We'll try to do it again next week. Yeah. Find some time between your law school, buddy. Oh, yeah. Well, let's, let's do a post-Thanksgiving one where we're pretty much passed out. Oh, yeah, good uh, idea. Yeah. Good. Well, Iowa, Nebraska, Friday after Thanksgiving in the morning. <laughs> oh, <Ooh>. boy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> buddy. Better get digested for that one. Oh, it's going to be great. That's your, that's your like, third helping of Thanksgiving, 11 o'clock on Friday. And you get to watch Iowa, <laughs> Nebraska. That's, half that's the stadium going to be red. That's the I'm looking for right there. Half, half the stadium's going to be full of Nebraska fans. It's going to be great. Uh, All right, that's it for us. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you soon. Yep. Live long and poppers, Robbie. Yeah.